Well, thank you, Pastor. You know, I love everything about it. <clears throat> missions, missions conferences. Sometimes people would think, don't you get tired of it? You go sort of weekend. But I've been on deputation for 20 years now. <clears throat> I just can't raise support. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but listen, I, don't, I never get tired of it. And there's a special something about the way we do our missions conference here and in, in a lot of other good churches. And that is the missionaries come in, we get to meet them, shake hands with them, eat with them, get to know them, hear their testimonies. And when God sends them to Malawi or wherever else they're going, we get to be part of that. And uh, my mind goes back to as a little boy, really, from a broken home, never knew my daddy, never lived with him. And God got a hold of my heart. I got saved at 16 years old. I said what they've been saying, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm, I, you just tell me what and you tell me where and I'm going to do my best to do it. And Linda and I have tr- done our best to do that. I've been preaching now the gospel for 55 years. Now, I know I don't look that old, but I sure feel it tonight. <laughs> anyway, glad to have you young people here uh, listening to a, we missionaries are strange. Folks, you have to be strange to do what we do. But I look back over this crowd, some of you others who've been at it a long time, they would say the same thing I just said. We love everything about it. To see people saved, whew, to see a church started. I've been traveling the country. I've crossed the country five times in the last three months from Connecticut to all, anyway, all over the place. I've seen people saved. You know, you hear about in the Northeast, we had people saved in Connecticut. We had young people surrender to go to the mission field in Connecticut. Uh, we live, Linda and I live in a foreign country right now. California. <laughs> the other day, it was, it, see where we live up in, they call it the high desert. It is that. It's high and it's desert and it's barren and the wind blows all the time. I told the students, when I came out here, I had hair. <laughs> That's not the truth, all right. But it, anyway, the other day, we were out in, in Lancaster, and uh, it was cold and windy, and usually Linda walks over for lunch with me with the students, and they surround us and ask us questions about missions. But that day, it was kind of cold and raw, and I went home to get her sitting there in the car, and the phone rang. And I looked at it and said, Jamie Smithy. Well, he's the new missions teacher. And, and uh, I answered the phone and someone said, Salam Malikum. And I said, Malikum Salam. He said, Bajamangam. And I said, Jamarekwai. Nagadef. Mangatirek di Santayala. No Tuda. What's your name? Asan La Tuda. And I had a 15 minute conversation sharing the gospel with a Wolof speaking Senegalese in Lancaster, California. So you don't have to go around the world to meet people that need Christ. I want you to open your Bibles tonight with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> I would tell you that I won't be long, but sometimes I lie. But not, <laughs> not, not tonight, okay? I, I won't be long. Luke chapter 5, we'll get there in just a moment. Um, in chapter 4, and I'm not going to read all chapter 4. But in chapter 4 of Luke, Christ had been out and was tempted 
by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And he comes out of that temptation with the Spirit of God upon him. By the way, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you come through those trials in your life that that's when God will really bless you? And Christ had just gone through that and he comes crossing, comes over into Galilee and arrives in the city of Nazareth where he'd been brought up and ended up in the synagogue and he stood there and read verse number 18 out of the Bible to these people. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then all through this chapter is a picture of the power that Christ had over demons and disease and death. So chapter 5, you'll understand the chapter better uh, as we look at the first verse. And it said it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Well, you see, when somebody has power of God upon them like Christ did, people want to hear. They don't want to see a dead religion. There's plenty of that around. They want to see something real. And so Christ is there and the people uh, were astonished at who he was and they pressed upon him. Uh, Have you ever tried, preacher, to preach when people are standing right here in front of you. I've done that because where we get preach, a lot of us, there are no churches and pulpits. People get right up in your face. I mean, they're just, that's hard to preach. I remember we first went to synagogue. Every time I heard a commotion going on, they beat the tom-toms. Somebody's getting married or somebody just died or there's a party going. They kill a cow. So every time I heard something like that, I had to go see what was going on. So I heard those drums beating one day, and I went out, and it was my first time at an African wrestling match. And it's like Greco-Roman wrestling where they, I mean, they get out there, and they put grease all over them, and they throw salt, kind of like Japanese sumo wrestling. And whoever hits the ground first, it's over. So it's a lot of hype. But anyway, you have to picture, this is Sahara. It's sandy. They had one rope on some little sticks in the ground. And so I got there early. Like, I, I don't like to be late. I'm going to get there early. I got there early, and I'm standing up against that rope. And I'm kind of enjoying watching these guys putting on the show, getting ready to wrestle. But then I didn't realize that people had been coming and coming and coming and coming. And they were all behind me. And they were all wanting to see that wrestling match. And I'm standing there. There's nothing to hold to. There's no wall. I mean, it's just one rope. And I am digging in. For dear life, because I was about that close to me and in the, in the match with those two big African wrestlers, and I didn't want to do that. So uh, they pressed upon Christ because they understood there was something different about him. I'm teaching. I go back. I fly back to California Monday, and, and it's exam week. And I have 115 students in my classes. You know what that means? You don't. But it means my exams are in two parts. So that means I will grade 230 exams. <laughs> I'm already tired just thinking about it. 
And uh, then I gave a test right now. While I'm gone, they'll take a test on Canvas. How many of you know what Canvas is? If you don't, you, you need to. It's a college computer system, and it's all in. Anyway, it, you don't, if you don't have to do it, don't. So I'll have 100 more to grade. So here's my, here's my sermon topic tonight. I want to speak on passing the test. You ever have any test in your life? Well, Jesus was here. Let me read the verses starting. I've already read verse 1, verse 2. And uh, Jesus was there. The people were pressing upon him. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. And have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had thus done, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners that were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought the ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Well, The people were there all about Jesus. They were pressed right in his face. He couldn't preach that way. So uh, he was preaching a sermon to this huge crowd. But actually his sermon that day was to one man. Have you ever been in church service when the preacher was preaching and you just know somebody told him about you? because he is hitting the nail on the head every time he says something. And I've been in more than one sermon like that where the preacher is preaching what God told him to preach, but it was to me. Because Jesus took the time to help people personally. And I've already said it. we got enough dead religion, dry and dusty, we used to say down where we grew up, South Carolina, dry snuff. Dusty is, anybody, don't, don't answer that question. Anybody's grandma did. <clears throat> My grandma couldn't live without it. But that's enough of that. Jesus was not dry and dusty. He cared about people. He cared about the crowd. But that day, I believe his message was in particular to one man Because the purpose of Christ's sermons were to transform people so he could send them out. I thought, why do we do missions conference at Lakewood Baptist Church? Well, the simple answer to that is we believe that people in the world are lost and in sin without Christ and on their way to hell. And if you believe that, we must do everything we can to get them the gospel so their lives can be changed 
and we can send them out. And here it was in this peaceful setting, the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee. Luke called it a lake, beautiful place. They tell us in that time period there were 15,000 people or so that lived around the edge of the lake. And so his message uh, was to Simon Peter. However, this wasn't the first time that Jesus had met Peter. Now watch this. In John chapter 1, you remember John the Baptist in John chapter 1? And he's baptizing and, and Andrew was there and some other people were there. And John the Baptist looked up and here's what he said to them. Now he didn't say that. I, he, he spoke in Aramaic or, or Greek. I just said it in Wolof. But you know what he said to that crowd following him? Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. And Andrew heard it, and Andrew couldn't wait to go get Peter so Peter could hear it. Behold the Lamb of God. Now what does that remind us of? When you behold the Lamb of God, you understand that the only way we can, anybody can be saved is through that Lamb. That shed His blood, that gave His life. And so Peter met Jesus in the early days as John the Baptist baptized Jesus himself and these other men followed him. So it's a picture here of his conversion. In, in Matthew chapter 4, we see Peter meeting Jesus another time because apparently Peter got saved. He followed Jesus for a time, but then they're, they're fishermen and they're fishing and they have their livelihood. And they're doing that. And Jesus is walking by the seashore there and he looks out and he sees Peter and Andrew, James and John, and he says to them, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Now, how many of you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you, you got saved, but you didn't know a lot about it? You didn't know a lot of theology? I mean, you couldn't explain about eternal security, even though if you get saved, you got it. But there comes a time when Jesus passes by and he says to you, hey, you're a Christian, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And he jumped into this, God's service. Now look, you don't have to be a missionary or a preacher to do that. Every one of us ought to be fishers of men, soul winners. And then here we come to a third time. And here Jesus is again in familiar circumstances there with Peter and these others. And Peter engaged in his ordinary work of life I think he liked, how many, who wouldn't like fishing? As long as you can catch fish. Now, if I'm not going to catch any fish, I don't want to go. I don't want to sit there 10 hours and not get a nibble. But uh, Peter, that was his livelihood. So I want you to think about the progression here. When I, when I read this, I thought, you know, that's so much of what happened in my life. I got saved as a 12-year-old boy. Nobody really discipled me. I, I, wish I, some, I wish they had them. I read my Bible a little bit, but I never really got into it until I was 16 when I surrendered to be a fisher of men. But then there was a time in my life when even though I had already surrendered to be in God's service that the Lord started dealing with me about something specific. And that's what we've heard about tonight. There's a test here, and I want, to, I want to give you this test. So the test was given by Jesus to Peter, but I want you to take it with me tonight 
as Jesus asked Peter five different things here in this story, the first thing he says was, Peter, will you give me your boat? That was his livelihood. There were a lot of other boats there. This was not a command from Christ. Peter, can I have your boat? Many of us, God cannot use us because we have become slaves to stuff. We Americans, I mean, we have so much stuff that their TV programs about hoarders. I don't get that. I mean, <laughs> throw out, anyway. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but how many of us have garages that you can't pull your car in because they're full of stuff? <laughs> and then, that's not enough. We got storage units. People in Malawi could never believe that. You know, seriously, they, could, they have no way that they could envision anybody. I mean, they look at one of our houses and think, what in the world do you need a house that big for? I mean, even if it's a four-room little house with one little bathroom, they would think, man, we could, we could house 25 Africans in here. <laughs> and Jesus had to address some things with Peter because he's after something in Peter's life. He wants him to take another step. He's looking for a servant. He's looking for an apostle. And he says, Peter, would you let me have your boat? That might not be a boat. It might be a house. It might be our job. It might be our family. It might be our habits. It might be hobbies. But God says, is there anything that will keep me from serving you? I don't know what your answer to that question is tonight because I don't know. See, it's different for all of us. For Peter, it was a boat. For you, it might be something different. Is there anything we're holding on to that's keeping us from letting God use us in a full way? Peter, would you give me your boat? Question number two. Peter, <laughs> I not only want your boat, I want your time. I want you with your boat. Now, you have to picture this stage of the story here. Peter and his fellow workers had been fishing all night long. They were professional fishermen. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, is your time my time? How many people today say, I don't have time to go to church? I don't have time for those services. I don't have time for missions conference. I'm too busy. Ministry all the day, all the time. Folks, anybody says that, you never really truly spent much time with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he doesn't want you for the work that you could do. He wants you for you. He doesn't just want the boat. He wants us in the boat. He wants our time. He wants our energy. But the story goes on. I told you I wouldn't be long. Peter, can I have your boat? <laughs> and can I have your time? Can I have you with it? 
But then he says this to Peter. Now, this is Godfrey words, all right. Will you yield to me your will? Now, Peter had already been out there all night long. He was tired. He was hungry. And here's what Peter was thinking, I think. What do carpenters know about fishing? <laughs> Will you give me your will, Peter? Peter must have been thinking, Lord, don't you understand? It's daytime. It's not the time to go fishing. We fished all night. Why do you think they caught no fish? I'll tell you exactly. Christ had sent all the fish in that area on vacation. <laughs> they could have fished a week and not caught any fish. And Jesus said, would you change your plans for me? The fact they caught no fish the night before was not an accident. Jesus caused that. And then Christ gave to Peter a request and a promise. Let down your nets. <laughs> well, Peter didn't quite get that. He, he, he did obey, but not quite fully. But aren't you glad, by the way, those of you, you are, who, those of you who are serving him, that sometimes when we don't quite get it, he's patient with us. <laughs> let down your nets. You're going to catch a lot, of, a lot of fish. And Peter went part way. He let down a net. But when you put your nets into the water of the will of God, you're going to watch God work. Some of you wonder why you haven't seen maybe some of the victory, some of the joy that you see in other Christians. Could it be you have not yet let down your nets at His command? Will you do what I tell you to do? Will you give me your will? But then it gets a little harder here. The fourth question is this. Peter, will you yield to me your pride? He said, Brother Godfrey, where do you get that in this story? Verse number six. Because as soon as the nets hit the water, he fell at Christ's feet. And a man is seldom as tall as when he kneels before his maker and here was an act of deepest humility coupled with worship. You say, Brother Godfrey, what happened here? Let me tell you what I think happened. In this story, it's interesting, Peter had referred to Christ. He knew Christ was the Savior. He knew Christ was the Master. He had called Him Lord. But now, the moment... Those, that net hit the water and all those fish were there. Peter realized something right then about Jesus that he had not quite, quite seen. Not only is he my Savior, not only is he my Master, but he is my Lord God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and my pride means nothing. And Peter realized it in a way that he had never realized it. And folk, I think that a lot of, a lot of people even in our churches, they know a lot about Christ and he may be their savior. Sometimes he's their master in certain areas, but they've never fully realized if he is the Lord God and he is, he deserves every 
ounce of energy we have. He deserves our talent. He deserves our money. You all know me. I'm not going to twist your arms this week. Pastor won't do that to get you to give. But I believe at Lakewood Baptist Church, we give because we understand that God's given us not the, it is a responsibility, but the great joy to give. Peter, will you give me your pride? Anybody struggle with that? All you have to do is look at that word, P-R-I-D-E, right in the middle of the words, I. Now, I don't know about you. Your problems don't bother me too much, but mine do. Okay? And Peter, Lord, we've been fishing all night. The fish went on vacation, but the moment Jesus said, let down your net, they can't even get them all in the boat. They have to call the helpers to gather in all the harvest of fish because he realized in a way, you know how I know that? It wasn't too many chapters later in in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus asked his disciples, what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I, the Son of Man, am? And you know what Peter said? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I think that day when that net hit the water and all those fish were there and he knew they weren't there before, he brought them and he yielded his pride and fell on his face. And then one last question on my test. Jesus said to Peter, will you give me your love? Because the last verse says this, they forsook all and followed him. They caught a lot of fish. You ever wonder what happened to those fish? I think God used those fish to feed Peter's family and those John and James's family for a long time to come. But Peter doesn't care about the boat anymore. Peter doesn't care about his job anymore. Peter doesn't care about what kind of retirement plan he's going to have. He said, Lord, I've had enough. Let me alone. I'll do anything you want me to do because you have my love. I want you to think about this, the conclusion to my test. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to grade it tonight. You'll have to grade your own test. I've got enough to grade. But I want you to think about this. What if Peter had failed his test? He never would have become an apostle. There would not be a book of First and Second Peter in this holy book. Boy, aren't you glad that they're there? You'd have to take out most of Acts chapter 1 through 12 if Peter had failed his test. What if David Livingston failed his test? What if Adonai Judson had failed his test? What if Jim Elliott had failed his test? What if Rick Martin had failed his test? What if Bob Houston, I could go on and on and on. What if I fail my test? What if you fail your test? Well, in my life, I didn't know an awful lot about it, but I sure knew that I was a sinner and Jesus loved me and died on the cross for me and I got saved. But I'm glad it didn't stop there. I'm glad that I realized one day that the Lord wanted me to serve him. And in February of 1967, 
as a little run of a guy with a head full of curly hair. I know y'all don't believe that. I said, Lord, I don't know a lot about it. In fact, I went to my pastor after that, and I said, Pastor, I don't know anything about preaching, but God has called me. I know it. And you know what? The amazing thing, he let me preach. Who I think back on that. Either he was dumb or he had a lot of faith. I don't know. But, uh, but February 1967, I said to the Lord, all I have is yours. My will, my pride, my safety, my billfold, my future, my family, all of that I give to you. Let me tell you what I lost. <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> I lost having to go to hell. I, I can't think of anything really I lost. But I tell you, all of us who've been around a while, we know so much that we have gained. Young people, listen to me. One second of time can change your life. When you say, Lord, I know that you love me. And you didn't have to love me, but you did, and I trust you to be my Savior. One second can change your life. Where would I be except for those seconds? The first one, when I said, Lord, I know you died for me. I trust you as my Savior. And I love this last verse. Having left the boats and the fish and their work and their families and their home, but they gained Jesus Christ. Now that's what this is about. It's not about having to oh, go go to church all this week. And, and uh, you know how, how, I, how far I came? <laughs> that sounds so bad. You know how far I came so I could be here and preach to you tonight? I taught my classes in California yesterday. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't miss being here for anything. And I tell people all the time, I do, I do Faith Promise Missions Conference. I've had some great ones this year, but I love being here at my own church because people, you, you know that I'm not just talking up here. I'm, I am dead serious about being his servant. And when the faith promise commitments are given, year in and year out, you know, you've heard me say it most of you already, but we tell people all over the world, we're the best church members you can possibly get because we're not here enough to cause trouble. <laughs> and we send our faith, our tithe and faith promise back every month, whether we're here or not. You know why? Because we believe it with all of our hearts. And dear Lord, I pray tonight that we can all pass the test and say, Lord, I give you my boat and my time and my ego and, and uh, my will. And Lord, I give you more than that. I give you my love. And I pray that we'd all do what we do because we love you with all of our hearts. And I just pray that you would work in our hearts now tonight. Lord, you may be calling some young person tonight. Maybe somebody needs to get saved tonight. Maybe they're already saved and you're saying, would you be my servant? Would you, give me, would you give me your boat, whatever that is? Give me your will. And Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit's working in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.